0: The soft yet curiously harsh and raucous sound of the waves could be heard coming up from the bottom of the cliff below. Tomortis stopped and leaned over the narrow edge that was separating him from space. Everything fell sharply away beneath him, and spindrift hovered in the hollows of the rocks like a jelly of jism in July. There was a smell of barbecued seaweed... Suddenly feeling giddy, Tomortis knelt down on the limp summer grass and reached out for the earth with his hands. His fingertips met some nanny goat droppings whose strangely irregular shapes led him to conclude that somewhere in the vicinity, there must be one of those sodomite goats he had thought long extinct. That is how Boris Vion's Heart Snatcher from 1953 um, begins. And one thing to note is that, of course, this is a translation uh, from the French, um, and the translator makes a note of saying that it's a free translation because uh, Boris Vian's work is very tough to translate in in any sort of literal sense. So it's a free translation which is trying to capture the the style. Um, Now, Heart Snatcher is sort of indescribable. There is a plot, There is characters. there are characters, there are arcs and narratives, but ultimately um, I will read the blurb from uh, both from Goodreads and the edition that I have, though I think it might have changed a little bit, to describe to you what is happening in this book. But ultimately the blurb describes the externalities of the events, which aren't important, Once you get into the book, so set in a bizarre and slightly sinister town where the elderly are auctioned off at an old folks' fair, the townspeople assail the priest in hopes of making it rain, and the official town scapegoat bears the shame of the citizens by fishing junk out of the river with his teeth. Heart Snatcher is Boris Vion's most playful and most serious work. The main character is Clementine, a mother who punishes her husband for causing her the excruciating pain of giving birth to three babies. As they age, she becomes increasingly obsessed with protecting them, going so far as to build an invisible wall around their property. Now, in a sense, um, this book is sort of impossible to spoil. Um... So there isn't really anything I'm gonna add in or tell you about which you'd think would ruin the novel in some sense. Um, but that's the basic outline of the plot. But really, for me, the idea that the main character is Clementine is perhaps incorrect. Perhaps I'm not e- reading it uh correctly, but for me the the idea that Clementine is the main character is incorrect. For me, the main character is Tomortis, and Tomortis is a psychoanalyst who very early on admits to the first person, one of the first people he tries to psychoanalyze from this town, which is unnamed, and he sort of just arrives here quite peculiarly from that section I read, which is r- the first page of the book. Um, Tamortis admits that he doesn't, um, he psychoanalyzes for, for the fact that he's empty. He doesn't really understand the, the reasons as to why, other human beings and he's not some sort of alien he is a human but the reason as to why other human beings have these feelings of shame guilt sorrow whatever they might be and so he's psychoanalyzing others or he has we are told in a certain elusive sense psychoanalyzed others in the past as to understand it himself and actually sort of take their identification into him now the problem with this is you're you're given this character to mortis really to follow who then meets the so-called uh, main character Clementine, um, and it's sort of their relationship. Just no, they don't have a relationship, but their relationship as uh, friends, and him him sort of looking after her in a way, which which you you follow throughout the novel. Um, but of course, Tomortis is put into this strange town where, ultimately, what we're beginning with and what the novel is about is people who have power over other people. You have Clementine, of course, who hates her husband for the fact she's had to go through this excruciating pain of having children and also the uh, intricate details she describes of how it's ruined her body. And eventually her husband sort of just goes off because she hates him so much. And so there's the power dynamic going up going on there but ultimately her three children who she names uh, Noel Joel and Alpha Romeo which isn't explained by the way she as the blurb says has this uh, extensive need to protect them which results in uh, having power over them um Uh, To the point where she's drumming up all these ridiculous fantasies of, well, what if they're digging in the garden and they reach oil and the oil spills into the garden and and flows up so much that everyone drowns, right? There's this absurd uh, gesture of worry and concern regarding her children sort of completely uh, turned up to the point of um, insanity. I mean, this is really what Vian is doing throughout the novel. He's taking uh, a peculiar human characteristic, which traditionally would be psychoanalyzed as, uh, I guess, some understood as some sort of neurosis. And he's he's turning it up and uh, intensifying it to such a degree that it's actually beyond absurdity. And there's something recognizable there, but we don't. We, it's really difficult to recognize. And there's constant moments of this that end up either in hilarity or tragedy. And it begins with hilarity and it's one of the funniest books I've ever read. But it there was there was a time where I thought this is going on, this book's actually going on a bit too long. It's only 250 pages, so why would I feel like that? It's going on a bit too long because after about the 150 page mark, the, the humour, which is obviously so absurd, goes on too long to the point where you can begin to recognise too much about the humour and it doesn't fall flat. But the tragedy of the humour comes through and you're left with uh, a town which is basically lost in its own hubris and confusion. But Vion has written in a, not necessarily, well, he's written in quite literally a scapegoat whose name is Glory Hallelujah. And Glory Hallelujah is a man who lives on a boat who's paid in gold, the gold he can't use. And he is literally paid to jump into a I believe it's a lake or a river, and fish out with his teeth the dead bodies of people or metaphorical things which are killed uh, by the the um, by the shame of the people in the town. So they they have no reason. To deal with their shame, with their guilt, etc., it's it's thrown quite literally to this scapegoat, but the scapegoat himself is is sort of lost as to why, and he you know he doesn't have any means to deal with any of this stuff himself. Um, in in a sense, now I tend to read things very pessimistically. This novel, I would say, is ultimately about redemption. The general ideas surrounding people who've commented on the novel is that it's about um power and those who have power over you and we'll get to that in a minute because this idea of the old folks fair where the old people are sold off to sort of just be abused um doesn't actually play a huge role in the story but it it, it has a sort of—it's a central core around which the the psychology of the town is revolving. Um, but of course, we have the old folks being abused. The the town priest has entered into his own pride, and he's just getting annoyed at the parishioners for not really listening to him. Um, of course, we have Clementine with her power over her children. We have Tomortis who's psychoanalyzing uh, not for the sake of a patient, but for the sake of just trying to understand for his own reason. And the person who perhaps could who holds a strange position in all of this, of course, is the literal scapegoat, Glory Hallelujah. But he doesn't really have a huge role in the book. And the so of course, what comes through is the idea of redemption and for me, the potential to escape psychological loops that one is stuck in. Now, the reason I say I read things pessimistically is because for me no one here escapes any of the loops. And if anything, everyone is intensified more uh, or to, a, to a greater degree into the certain psychoanalytical loops, which are very um, brashly and broadly drawn in. And to a certain degree where the humor takes over and everyone is sort of defeated by the absurdity of the town itself and the absurdity of the surroundings. Um, but there isn't really a defeatism, there's perhaps a deflation, there's perhaps just an acceptance that the surrealism becomes a realism, the intensified, um, uh, once again, I'm repeating a lot of words here, but the intensified absurdity of the humor of these very human situations, which have been dramatized to the point where we can sort of pull out what the actual psychoanalytical problem is, um, They've been intensified to such a degree that they become surreal, but the fact that these loops aren't escaped, there is an admittance to the realism of all these situations. Um, Now that makes the book seem very, very serious, and I have bookmarked one other um, piece of dialogue. So this is uh, from when Tomortis first goes into the town and sees the old folks fair. And he's witnessing them all stood there, about to be auctioned off. And this is the dialogue which takes place. "'Come along,' mandered Jerry in a voice like a cracked horse chestnut. "'This one's going cheap, and there's plenty of work still left in him. "'Come on, Ezekiel. Wouldn't you like him for your kids?' "'And he's got plenty to show them,' said one of the other men. "'Yes, he has. I'd nearly forgotten,' agreed the knacketeer municipally. "'Come over here, you old watsit, and let's see it.' He made him stand up. The old man, doubled in two, took a step forward. Show them, then. Let them see what you've got tucked away inside your breeches, gerried Manda. With trembling, ruminicity fingers, the old man began to undo his flies. The edges were all greasy with wear. The people curled up with laughter. Well, just look at that, said Ezekiel. It's true that he has still got something left in him. Shaking with laughter, he reached out to the old man and flicked the moth-eaten tassel. All right, I'll take him, he said to the Nakateer. I'll give you a fiver for him. Sold, cried gerrymander, in a voice full of merry danger. Tomortis knew that such things took place in the country, but it was the first time he had ever seen an old folks fair, and it more than surprised him. The old man did up his buttons and waited. And so this this moment of ridicule, humiliation, shame, abuse, is accepted. And Tomortis. Um, arrives, he's sort of born as this outsider who, for him, he's still in the position where he's seeing the absurdity of the situation. He's, uh, we could say he's still withholding a traditional, uh, guilt, a traditional notion of shame, a traditional conscience. And so he enters into this arrangement and he notices that. As we do, as the readers, that absolutely nothing is right in this. And how can no one see, uh, the absolute shame of this situation? And, um, he, he does breach these concerns to the, to, uh, the auctioneer and gets immediately punched in the face and knocked out because it's, for them, it's such an absurd question that he would ask that there's no way they can deal with it other than just knocking them out because you don't ask those things. They are offloaded to the scapegoat. And there was a there was a, there was a time when I thought, is Vion writing a novel where many of the characters are representative? Um, they are representing um, inner psychological states and the means to which we might uh, just offload things and uh, find ways to push them away. But I don't really think that's entirely correct that the the reason I want to bring this back to redemption is that and p- possibly pessimism but looking at very briefly looking at Vion's own personal beliefs not that I want to completely conflate them with the novel but he was uh, as I understand it uh, you know a sort of die-hard materialist and for me the notion of this book is about a failed redemption and not trying to um, shoehorn it in. But there's a very subtle undercurrent of religious redemption as the town does, this absurd town does continually, uh, meet at the church with the priest who gives sermons. But the priest's sermons are very prideful and they always end up just being what the people in the town want, even to the extent where the priest, um, eventually, tells the town that his curate uh, actually is the devil. And he organises a wrestling match, a, a boxing match, sorry, to fight the devil on stage. And it'll only last three rounds. And the crowd are annoyed that it just didn't last long enough for their amusement. And so any place where redemption is possible, there's already been figured into the narrative a reason as to why we don't need to deal with that. And eventually, I mean, this is a slight spoiler, Eventually, what we really find is that to Mortis, this psychoanalyst, of course, who in a sense was entirely open and wanted to understand things for his own personal reasons, but on his own identificational level, gets completely drawn in to this town, into the absurdity and accepts it for what it is as they accept it. And you as a reader are, at least for me, Left not necessarily dumbfounded, but left with often the acceptance that certain psychological loops um, have these very deeply uh, ingrained means and justifications which take on, you know, take on the figures such as Glory Hallelujah, this fisherman paid in gold who fishes shame out of the river with his teeth they take on those roles to such a degree that how could they ever be questioned? And I'm not sure anything is really redeemed, anything is overcome, anything is moved forward. All that happens is Timortis is, to a certain degree, subsumed into the town. Clementine, eventually, uh, the novel ends, spoiler alert with Clementine building cages for her, her triplets um, so that they'll never be out of her sight and they'll never get in danger again. And that's where we're left. We're left with the what seemed like the real absurdity intensified to the point of ser- surrealism, intensified even more that it comes back round And the realism is drawn from the surreal absurdity. And we see actually how horrific this situation will be as it intensifies more. And there's almost like a a sort of a nod to the acknowledgement that that uh, that was there all along. And no one really had the means because of everyone was so selfish. Everyone was so self-absorbed that no one really had the means to deal with it all along. And I'm not sure whether to um, identify this novel as a psychological novel, a psychoanalytical novel, a materialist novel, um, a surrealist novel, maybe, uh, an absurdist novel. I think so, possibly, because of Vion, Vion, uh, I believe, I believe this is right, he uh, hung around with uh, Camus and also Sartre. And I would say that's probably the best place to put it. Is an absurdist novel that you have to deal with the situation that's the situation you have and you have to deal with it and eventually that becomes the realist situation um at least that's how i read the novel but as a stylist you know if we're talking about it just um as a book for a little for near the end here we just to talk about it as a book it's hilarious it has some of the funniest lines i've ever read in literature Um, very, very quick and constantly surprising. You, you, you know, it's absolute cliche, but you quite literally do not know what's going to arrive one line to the next. Don't expect explanation. Um, don't expect hand holding. Don't expect exposition when you meet with absurdity, because that's the beauty of this novel is that absurdity is given a place amongst the mundane. The nonchalant it's a nonchalant absurdist novel. We say, well of, you know almost as if the, 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 the author is nodding to you to say, "Well, of course the animals on this um, in this town hitchhike, you know um, of course, there's an old folks fair, and you as a reader have to take the position between mortis, glory hallelujah, the town, and your own sensibilities. you know, who are you going to? fall in with? Who are you going to perhaps just, just go, well look, I give them a free pass because I can't deal with this otherwise. Um and in the sense whoever you identify with in a certain way by the end of the novel is probably going to um influence your reaction by the end. Are you are you going to be laughing along with the old folks town because that's just how things are. Are you going to be almost like old to mortis trying to figure it out? Um, are you going to be like Clementine in this sort of state of terror because you just have no means to really deal with, uh, the, the uncertainty of life? Or are you still going to be yourself and say, well, this was just a fun novel? I don't know, but the, but I certainly want to read more Vion now most definitely because this is this is his last work um so i just jumped in at the end i was um this was published by dorky archive and i'll basically read anything by the dorky archive um and so i highly recommend it um whether or not like the other books are sort of i don't want to rate the books um that i review whether or not i consider it a masterpiece i don't really know i, I haven't I haven't really the means to be able to do that with this book. Um I guess if you were to put it in a certain genre of literature then maybe I'd be able to do that. But if you want something that you honestly aren't going to be able to put down because you just think I uh, you know it's not like you're you're diving back in you go okay more of the the more of the relationship story or more about the town it's it's diving in you turn a page and y- y- you are you are just The narrative and style itself follows the absurdity itself. And so you just have to accept. Um, And that's the beauty of the novel. Um, It's extremely funny. The prose is extremely beautiful. The translation is fantastic. And I highly, highly, highly recommend it. Um, So thank you all for listening to this peculiar review of Boris Vion's Heart Snatcher. Um, And if there's any books you'd actually like me to review, then comment or let me know or message me um but i hope you're all enjoying these reviews um and yeah thanks for listening